Welcome to the Net Zero Podcast, where we talk all things sustainability with industry experts, Net Zero clients, partners, and colleagues. In this podcast, we hope to share information, knowledge, and experiences of the journey to Net Zero. I'm joined today in the pod by Chris Phillips. Chris, you're um, someone who's worked in and around sustainability for a wee while. Do you want to just give our listeners an introduction? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, thanks for having me. So uh, my name is Chris Phillips and I work for the University of Exeter, uh, world leaders in climate science and all things sustainability. I spend my sort of days working with uh, organisations and companies, helping them understand their environmental impact uh, and how to reduce it. And alongside that, I also run my own consultancy doing very kind of similar sort of work on a, a kind of a global basis, really, um, consulting with organisations to help them understand and reduce their environmental impact. Chris, one of the reasons we asked you along today was you probably have a, a, a good take on what ESG is because we're starting to hear that term being used. So why is it relevant today and what is it, for example? Yeah, so, so ESG is a, is a collective term, um, really. It's a collective kind of acronym that's, that's become more used over the last few years and it stands for Environment, Social and Governance. And within each of those three areas, there's a few sort of key kind of things to, to kind of consider. So I'll come back to the environmental aspect in a minute, because I think we're going to talk about that in some detail. But the social side of it, so from an organisational point of view, it's things like fair pay for staff, working conditions, things like that, staff training, equality, diversity, inclusivity. It's also things like what is the social impact of the organisation? So do we make safe products? Is a, is a good example. Um, do we get involved in community projects? You know, do we support our local community? Uh, things like that. The, the governance side of it is more around the kind of internal practices of an organization. So, you know, the accuracy around our financial reporting, um, how we report to shareholders and investors, things like that. The uh, pay transparency, as an example, you know, essentially the, the kind of the governance that sits inside of, the, of an organization primarily. And then the environment part of it, so the E in ESG, is essentially what is our environmental impact? Um, do we understand our environmental impact? And how can we go about sort of understanding and reducing that? But it sounds like this could be just for large corporations or um, big, bigger businesses than, say, SMEs. What kind of motivators are there for me as an SME to, to look at? ESG in its wider sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I, th I think a lot of organisations, the social and the governance kind of almost happens organically. Um, you know, the governance side of it, you can't trade illegally. The social side of it, I think most businesses are, are reasonably sort of up to speed with relevant policies, things they might need to do. The environmental side of it, I think sometimes is a bit more challenging. In terms of the relevance to, to kind of you know, SMEs, yeah, there are some organisations that legally have to report on this, 500 plus employees. Um, you know, there's a couple of other sorts of, you know, there's things like the, the streamlined energy carbon reporting and the environmental sort of channel, if you like. But actually, when I work with kind of small organisations, I tend to talk about five kind of key areas of why they'd want to, to kind of invest in this and be aware of this and work on this. And I, I kind of, I affectionately refer to them as the five T's. So, particularly with the environment in mind, time. Um, I'm not going to go into detail on that. I think we all know we're running out of time to, you know, to essentially save the planet. The second T that I would normally talk about is trading and tenders. 
So increasingly we're seeing scrutiny around from sort of tender processes, whether that's you know, public sector, NHS, schools, colleges, universities, whether that's sort of tendering into larger organisations, whether you're in a supply chain or have ambitions to be in a supply chain to, to larger organisations, and within that, even larger SMEs, we're increasingly seeing a focus on this sort of, you know, this sort of work in, in that area. The third one I talk about is trends. Increasingly, we're seeing consumers be much more aware and become much more aware of their purchasing decisions and kind of where they buy from. If you have, you know, a strong kind of ESG record, so you're in environment, social governance, particularly environmental aspects we're seeing as well, um, consumers are more likely to, to choose to buy from you. We're increasingly seeing that, that sort of consumers interrogate the brands they buy from and what their sort of impact is. Uh, the fourth one I talk about is talent. So if you have any ambition to grow your organisation and you want to recruit talented people um, over the next five, 10 years, Again, there's a really strong likelihood that they're going to be interrogating and delving into exactly what your organization does. You know, as an example, I've been doing some work with a tech company recently where one of the primary reasons for them to understand their environmental impact is because their team is passionate about it um, and they want to retain that team of talent as well as to attract new staff kind of going forward as the organization grows. So that's time, trading tenders, uh, trends, talent. And the fifth one I talk about is trail, as in an audit trail. So currently legislation around the sort of, you know, where you have to report around these areas, particularly the environmental sort of aspect, sits at larger companies. I think there's a likelihood that that sort of threshold of reporting will be reduced going forward. So I think there's going to be a lot of organisations that perhaps haven't dipped their toe into this kind of water previously who may well get caught out by, you know, government changes in legislation in the not too distant future. So I would always encourage people to, to get a head start on that, on that sort of thing. In your experience, how does managing sustainability or these five T's happen in the real world? Yeah, so it's a really good question. It, it sometimes seems a bit sort of theoretical. Um, I, I think initially I would always say, you know, how do we manage it? Well, we start is the first sort of point to, to talk about is, you know, just start, just do it. How do we start is quite an important sort of part to it. So as I said, I think social and governance aspects, a lot of that will have happened organically because organisations will have the relevant policies and everything in place. The environmental side of it is probably the hardest area to, to sort of begin. I think everybody wants to be more sustainable, but often we're not quite sure how. So I, I tend to suggest to sort of clients I work with that, as a good starting point of you know how to kind of embrace this how to kind of move forward in this area it's not perfect but to start understanding your environmental impact a baseline carbon footprint that's robust and accurately calculated i think is a, is a really good kind of starting point for that sort of thing so essentially that gives you a you know a baseline that says this is the environmental impact we're having i think it's important to do that before we start making significant wholesale changes across organizations because what I've seen time and time again is, is, you know, companies make a change that they think is going to have a significant impact and has perhaps cost a lot of money and time and investment, but actually that change hasn't really made the impact they were hoping for. Um, so that initial kind of baseline gives us the, the sort of hotspots. It gives us the kind of the, the sort of key areas, if you like. And then in terms of how we manage it and how we kind of move forward with it, I think it's important to say it's a bit of a cliche 
But I think it's important to say that, you know, sustainability isn't a one-stop shop. It's a journey. Um, and it's a journey that organisations will go on over the next 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years as technology changes and the like. Once we've got that baseline, we've got that measurement. For me, it's then about impact versus influence. So what are the areas where we have significant environmental impact? Where are the, the kind of the hotspots? And what are the areas that we can actually influence? And that's always an interesting one because quite often we kid ourselves by saying, oh, no, we can't change that. We can't influence that. But actually, when we say that, what we mean is it's going to be a difficult conversation to influence that. And those two things aren't the same. So when we talk about, you know, what can we influence, what can't we change? It's important we don't kid ourselves. But essentially, yeah, impact versus influence. So what are the areas that we can change now that will have an impact? What are the areas that we can change over the next three, four, five years and embed as part of our, our kind of, you know, sort of medium term strategy that will have an impact? And what are the areas that we can change over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years as technology evolves and, uh, you know, the, the kind of the world changes that, that will have an impact? I guess the other thing I would say is sort of go back to the, the question of, of kind of how do we do this in the real world? I see a lot of organisations that try to kind of bolt this on as a, a sort of an add-on. So the business has its strategy. And by the way, here's our sustainability strategy on the side. The real point I would make around that is it's absolutely fundamental if this works to embed it as part of the overall kind of growth strategy of an organization. You can't really just bolt it onto the side because all you do is create tensions um, around that. Live it, breathe it, embed it from the start. And that's the kind of way that you, you know, you sort of deal with it on a, on a day-to-day kind of real life sort of basis. As we close, what are your final thoughts? What is the call to action, if you like, for, for our listeners? I'd say it's this area, ESG, the environmental aspect particularly, isn't going away. Um, It's only going to become more prevalent. It's only going to become more prominent. I think there's a lot of organisations out there that are going to be at risk of being left behind um, and as such put put their organisation at risk with it. So I guess my my kind of parting message, my sort of parting gift, if you like, would be just start. Don't wait until tomorrow. Just start on this journey today. Thanks again for your time, Chris. I really appreciate that. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening. And if you require further details, please don't hesitate to contact us or visit the website where you find additional information, including more podcasts like this.